Hello, everybody, and welcome to the You Should Run podcast. I am your host, Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you've listened to the podcast, and I hope you have, you know I've talked to people at all levels of government, um, whether they're in office or candidate, uh, from borough council like myself and kind of my guest today, uh, and school board, all the way up to U.S. Senate and all positions in between, from state house to Congress and many other things. And I have talked with every state from... Maine to Hawaii and Alaska to Florida, some of them multiple times. And I'm going back to Ohio today to talk to uh, my new friend, hopefully we'll be friends. Uh, Her name is Chelsea Clark. She is in local office and she is now running for one of the few offices I have not talked about much, and that is Secretary of State in Ohio. So I'm excited to learn more about that and learn about her. So Chelsea, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Mr. Heil, and hey, y'all out there. So you are not Secretary of State yet, but you are in office, and uh, please tell me, tell everyone where you're from, because Ohio is not just, <laughs> you know, a couple cities. It's a pretty diverse area. It is. Um, we are dominant in rural spaces in Ohio, uh, despite the fact that we've got three large C's, the Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, and um and we'll throw in Toledo there as well. Um, we've we've got a lot of rural spaces. I'm from Allen County. Allen County is kind of um, northwest in the state. It's pretty rural. Um, I'm from a country town called um, Elida, which is just outside of Lima. So some folks may have heard of Lima. The only thing I really know about Lima is that professional wrestler <laughs> Al Snow was from there. So you got that. That's, that's going to be my comparison point for me. Um, okay, that's... <laughs> I didn't even know that, so that's <laughs> <Yeah>. excellent. <laughs> so there's some trivia there. That doesn't really help much. Um, so you are a, a local, you're a council person in Forest Hills, right? Uh, Forest Park. Forest Park. I'm sorry. There's Park. a Forest Hills near me, mm-hmm. so I apologize. Yep, um, that's okay. And so I always ask people, have you always been involved in politics, like from grade school running for uh, student government, or did some election or event kind of kick you off to not just be registered to vote, but to be active in political life? Excellent question. Uh, So yes, I've pretty much always been involved when it comes to advocacy and working in my community. Um, Even when I was in high school, I was a member of the Black Achievers YMCA. And so um, we did a number of different, um, you know, programs that that were community-based, and um, I ended up becoming part of the steering committee uh, because advocacy was always something very passionate um, to me. Uh, I grew up as as a UAW baby, so UAW family, and my mom, a civil rights um, investigator for the Civil Rights Commission of Ohio, so, you know, (laughs) and then I'm a sixth-generation farmer in Allen County, so you kind of can't help but to have public service bleeding out. Um, then by the time I got to college, I engaged in a number of different civic opportunities. Oh, I also was on, I was a treasurer for student council at Elida High School. So, um, my daughter is now in student council in, in her school. And, um, and so then, you know, progressing on to, to the here and now, I just worked in different, different veins, whether it was the historical society or, um, environmental awareness or economic development commission or even the PTA president uh, here in in my city uh, and then eventually just worked my way up and now uh, I'm a councilwoman in my second term. So most so, of those things it, it's a very impressive resume for any office and, and it's kind of frustrating hearing mm-hmm. your resume and hearing right now we have a Supreme Court nominee as well who by the time this is done uploaded might already be a uh, 
sworn in. But um, to see that impressive resume and see other people who are running for higher office, Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, independents, and their call is like they did one thing once. And yes, I'm sure um, you've seen you've lived that life in a lot of ways. Yes, I have uh, lived it many times over. So. Uh, it is, it is, it is difficult. Um, certainly when you look the way I look, um, you know, one to, to earn or to, for folks to immediately believe your credibility, um, and, um, you know, and not question, uh, your qualifications. Um, in college, I was a political science business major as well. So I always knew I was going to go, uh, you know, kind of this route uh, and wanted to have as much, um, experience and knowledge base as I could uh, alongside of the passion with helping make a difference in my community. Um, you know, we live in a very, very diverse community. So Forest Park has like upwards of 60% um, African-Americans. We've got a significant um, Bhutanese population, African, mm. Hispanic. Uh, in our local school district with just under 4,000 students, I believe, district-wide, there's roughly 30 languages which, wow. which kind of is a test to how diverse it is. And um, you've got to have folks that are, that one, understand what, what, what the needs are and is willing to push the envelope so that we can create space, um, shared space and platforms for everyone in our community to have, you know, to have a, to have a place so that they can, because, you know, ultimately the entire city gets lifted when we all work hard and are inclusive. And so my work on city council um, has really been specific in launching our city's first minority business initiative. So making things formal and from a policy standpoint um, so that people can engage is extremely important to me and um, it does get frustrating seeing folks even seek higher offices and then they question mm -hmm. uh, well just because you're not a in the state ledge you know how, how how are you able to do that and it's because you lead with um, purpose and passion for people first yeah and you know one thing as you talk about city council and I was talking with someone from Connecticut uh, just the other day for this podcast who was on their local board. And it's a less partisan issue a lot of the time, city council, local government in comparison to state government. When did you decide that you were going to make the leap? You obviously were already very politically active and socially active. Um, what made you decide like that was a good thing for you to do to launch and, and uh, try local office? Um, you mean to launch from local to the well, state? No, to, to, to try to run for local office. Like, why was local oh. office important to run for elected office at that point in Forest Park? Oh, absolutely. Um, so there were, you know, at the time, um, I just didn't see um, representation that, that mirrored what you know, my perspective, um, I'm on the, tend to be on the younger end and I have small children mm -hmm. and I'm a single mother. And so with those three dynamics in place, I just thought that, um, it would make sense that, you know, to have some, to have an advocate, an advocate, um, and a public servant that could, you know, really understand the needs of, of that demographic in our community. I had already been doing, you know, a lot of work in the community as it was. So I just made, you know, I felt like that, that was, that was a good enough reason to, to run, to be yeah. able to bring some things, um, 
um, that would meet the needs of, of a growing community and younger folks and people with families. Sorry about that. It's okay. Uh, so, you know, we talk about resume a lot, but government's not necessarily supposed to be just about like picking the person with the longest resume that goes like three or four pages. It's about representation. Um, well, it should be. It's representative government. And obviously it's not that probably anywhere, really. Um, or very few places. You, you, you mentioned that you, um, your perspective with having young children was not there in local office. You've now been running statewide. I feel like that's something that's very frequent in local, state, federal, no, in all office, that people yeah. are really missing that perspective of what it's like to raise children now. Because mm-hmm. even if you raise children t- 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it's yep. a very different experience now than it was years ago. Oh, you better believe it, Mr. Heil. It um, it most certainly was. It most certainly is. And even now, um, if you look at kind of the entire gamut of folks running, well, state and up, uh, even in Ohio or even for um, House, you are you will be very hard pressed to find a single mother uh, of small children running. Why? Because there are significant barriers to entry um, in our political system, and so it. It, it, it saddens me and it's frustrating because, you know, we are out here working. I mean, we're working night and day. We've mm-hmm. got to make sure that we um, not only can prepare the next generation to be self-sufficient, um, but we also have to, you know, fight for um, the things that we want to see our children have. We have to set good, good examples. Um, we have to push back on policies, um, even whether it's education or whatever, um, that we feel like are not going to help our kids get the best start. Uh, and we've got to look overall, um, you know, to the entire gamut of things that can be either obstacles or can be uh, propulsion tools for them. So, you know, it is, it certainly is a unique perspective. Well, it's a unique perspective in the space of politics, but it's not a unique perspective in the day-to-day lives of people. Right. Right. We've got more single mothers. We've got more mothers that actually have children. Um, and so I think that it's a superpower, I call it, because we are able to, you know, I'm 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 an extreme uh, uh, manager of my household. And so not only can mm-hmm. I balance the, you know, having the compassion and understanding people's situations and plight and understand exactly what it's like to have to receive um, assistance because it's it's not because of lack of work working hard, but it's because of family dynamics change and you have to make sure that you come through for them. Um, But it's also being able to be um, powerful and strong and make very tough decisions in face of um, difficult situations. You have to be able to do both of those things. And I can do both of those things simultaneously, just like other mothers. Yeah. It's, I think I am lucky that we live in a two parent household and we are well off, but I can only, when I see that in the lack of representation of parents, fathers, and especially mothers and single mothers and people of other diverse backgrounds missing, um, it's a big lack in government. If you had, like if we had more, a higher percentage of women with that experience, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever background, but just that perspective of what it's like to have a family today and, and struggle with those things. What do you, how do you think that would change the outlook of state government since you're running statewide? Um, certainly that's, that's an excellent question, which I've long kind of thought about, um, never asked yet. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, I think that when we, I think that when we put people, um, 
when we when we allow our government to do what it's supposed to and listen to the needs of people that I think things start to change. I think that we start to bend in a space and, you know, bend more towards justice. Um, you know, when it comes to the secretary of state's office, uh, we've got a, a, we have a person, um, that is occupying that seat who caves to political pressures at the, at the whim at, at a, at a mere, you know, puff. And, you've got to be very, very strong. And typically mothers are, are just that, you know, I got to look into little bitty pretty eyes and tell me they're not, they don't want their punishment coming (laughs) or, you know, make very tough decisions while also still being understanding that's coming from a loving place. And, you know, I know that seems like a small scale, but you know, a mother is going to look out for the best interests of her entire clan, right. Her entire tribe, her entire unit. And that is, exactly what the secretary of state's office is demanding it is not a seat where we are to be you know you know this partisan um you know in this partisan space because you are the defender and the protector of voting rights that is quite literally what sets us apart from the entire rest of the world our representative democracy it's a fragile thing uh it's it's something that has to be very well cared for and when it works really well it does what it's supposed to do and everyone's getting what they need and so if you're going to fairly and equitably um distribute those needs and make sure that there's access you you have to have that that leaning and that um empathy and concern and compassion and also a moral compass to you know want to do the right thing by people regardless of you know what blow that lands to your ambitious pursuits or what that means for party consequences and that's not what we're seeing right now so if we had more of that we certainly would would be erring on the side of what the majority of our voters actually are demanding and that's what's important so I think a lot of people don't know what the Secretary of State does, and it's not the same in every state, too. You know, that's it's not. So what what would but, what does the Secretary of State do in Ohio? Sure. So for Ohio, um, the Secretary of State is the Chief Elections Officer. So all of the elections, whether it's primary, general, um, you know, are the, the directives come from that person on downward, and they are the you know the um, leader and president, so to speak of all of the boards of elections. So we have 88 counties in Ohio and we've got, pardon me, as such um, boards of elections. And so all of the, um, you know, all that, like I said, the, uh, directives and policy influence, influence comes from that office. Um, they also handle campaign finance. So um, when we talk about, oh my goodness, dark money and things like that, um, that per, that individual also is the, um, the chief um, for that, for, for, for those. Um, as, and then thirdly, and lastly, in the state of Ohio, we have um, business registration and filing. So the fact that I am a small business owner is pretty unique because we rarely have someone that runs for this seat that is both a, a small business owner uh, and minority and a mother. And so when you combine those things, you really end up having almost like the perfect um, qualifications or experience pool for, you know, rendering the decisions that that are going to be necessary because they impact people in on a daily fundamental way um, that sometimes we have a hard time getting across, but it's it's extremely impactful in making sure that people have access to fair and secure elections. That is literally the cornerstone of everything else that government is built upon. And I, for most people, they're not really thinking about their voting 
every day, right? They're thinking about what they're getting at the grocery store or their gas. Um, and I feel like when it comes to an election like Secretary of State, it's very important. But for a lot of people, they don't realize why they would even be voting for that, right? Like they're they're mm-hmm. thinking like in my county, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, we have we vote for row offices. And if I I had to explain to people why we were voting for a prothonotary. So why, you know, how do you get people to understand why, you know, it's important who you vote for, that it's not necessarily, you know, not not everyone's the same when it comes to a seat like Secretary of State. Sure. Um, so the, the the one example that I is kind of my go to, it's it's larger, it's it's more federal, but nevertheless, it's a good one. Um, you know, we have experienced a once in a century pandemic, right? We are going through it nearing the end of it, so to speak. And um, it has it has it has touched all of us. There, there, there is no one that has been immune from what this pandemic has done, whether it's your business closing, whether it's your school um, closing, whether your job constraints exist, you know, whatever. Um, and so the fact that folks were able to get stimulus checks is, is pretty, pretty astounding. Um, had we not voted for, you know, certain, certain folks and um, you know, there, there would have been caps and, um, you know, further constraints on even receiving the stimulus checks. And almost everybody I know received one. Mm-hmm. So government, you know, people aren't typically met. People, you know, frown on government because they don't understand exactly how that looks. But really, it's just made up of people, right? You're really voting so that the needs that you say that that you want to see the things that you say in your community you want to see that you can have someone advocating for you um and enacting those things on a larger scale that's that's all that's happening and so that's exactly what happened with the um with the stimulus checks down here in southwestern ohio we also have had you know over 50 years we not had a mega boost when it comes to public transportation. Public transportation is huge. I mean, you're talking about folks being able to get to jobs that they otherwise wouldn't, um, getting kids to school to and from. Uh, we use the system for my son. And, you know, when we when we went about, um, you know, pushing for this, for the passage of, of, of it, we had to make, we made promises that we were going to deliver upon. And, then you had a number of different seats that were um, put in place on these these boards to make sure that it got done. And we have been able to, um, you know, we've fulfilled those promises. So, um, you know, in certain neighborhoods, we are offering millions of dollars in grants to revitalize infrastructure and do things that are, you know, that really help to enhance um, communities so that they can build on that and attract other businesses that are going to be meaningful, enhance quality of life. So there's a lot of different, you know, reasoning reasons, so to speak, that you want to make sure that you have your your right to vote and that it's not encumbered. So I, right now, unfortunately, Republicans have made voting such a partisan and conspiracy laden issue for them, right? Like, um, just this week with uh, news about the January 6th ridiculousness with the wife of a Supreme Court justice being involved, um, stuff that seems like it would not make it to TV if you made it a plot a few, 10 years ago, right? It was just too ridiculous for a show like Scandal or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so the other side of the aisle is saying that, like, um, these changes to elections are partisan, like vote by mail is partisan, 
even if it's like, how do you convince a regular voter, explain to a regular voter that you're not there to help a party, but to make it fair for everybody and not like, because they're trying to say any change from one person is just helping someone's political needs. And obviously that's not what you're saying. So how do you convince people to know that you will be running things in a nonpartisan fair way? Absolutely. And I think, you know, that was the, that's the challenge with, pardon me, um, with, with the, the current, um, secretary of suppression, I mean, secretary of state, (laughs) Uh, what what happens is, you know, he really ran on this. I'm a moderate and I am going to work on both sides of the aisle and do this and that and, and, um, whatnot. And, you know, from the country, we always say, we always say, you know, the proof is in the pudding, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. And the pudding ain't looking very good. Uh, and the proof has been that, you know, when it came time to administer a, uh, an election for a primary, you know, he went back and forth on the dates. Uh, it created confusion and chaos. And so people were, you know, unaware of, you know, which, which date they were supposed to choose when it came to, you know, him being the authority uh, of, you know, ballot access. So making sure that there are a number of uh, ballot drop boxes throughout a, commu- a, a county so that people can access. Uh, he was like, oh, no, 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 I, I, I can't, I can't weigh in on that. That's not my, per- that's not within my purview. It's got to go to the court. And of course, of course said otherwise um but those things are those those things are um you know loud and clear uh in ohio right now we've got a redistricting fiasco yeah um so we had in 15 and 18 um over 70 percent and as of late in in 2018 we had 74 point like eight nine percent almost 75 percent of voters in ohio say hey we want redistricting redistricting reform that is the redistricting is how we draw our lines and our maps so that that we can uh, determine the representation that those spaces and those geographic areas have based on population and and other factors and so um that's what they demanded and there's no way you can look at ohio and be like oh my goodness 75 percent of y'all and then say oh that's all one party Mm -hmm. no it was it, it was a mix of all three, really, that said, hey, this is what we want. We want fair, competitive elections. Stop stop gerrymandering and creating super majorities in the House, because ultimately it's not voting well for not only our economic status in Ohio, but but, but a litany of other things. And it's just really it's just wrong and unfair. Um, and so the current um, SOS, what he's done is he's uh, helped his uh, his his party to uh, sign off on five, five, not one, not two, not three, not four, five unconstitutional maps that do not meet the standard for re, uh, redistricting that the Supreme Court of Ohio demanded, four of which of those have been struck down. That's as much proof in the pudding as, as you can possibly have, because that was a moment that he could have said, you know what, I am going to err on the side of the 75% of Ohioans that said they don't want these types of maps, that they want fair representation. And I'm going to, you know, cut party ties in that regard. And here's the crazy part with seven folks on the commission, he still would have been in the minority and the the maps, even though they were trash could have still passed, but at least he would have stood up for Ohioans. He chose not to do that. And so when you talk about those things, um, my experience has been in, you know, doing what I say I'm going to do. You know, follow through is everything. And 
you know, my, um, my track record and my, um, history of work has been, has been just that I don't, you know, having a rural perspective and living in a, a more urban, um, space and, um, my collection of experiences and perspectives absolutely demand that I work, um, and protect everyone's, everyone's access. You know, you talk about fair maps and we, I just did a, a podcast about Pennsylvania redistricting because we just had our own fiascos here that were actually better than years before, but all these court <laughs> challenges and uh, went to our Supreme Court as well multiple times. Uh, it seems like there's like little incentive in politics on a state government level for people to kind of cede some power to the other side to get a, what would be a fair map. Do you think that you can help change that incentive through transparency or awareness or other things so you can get people to work together? Or do you just have to be there to be like a hammer and say, not that we're going to make it unfair in a different direction, but we're going to insist on this. So how can you change that incentive structure in any way as secretary of state? Um, I think that when we look, when we talk about the incentive structure, the real incentive has to be getting back to our basics. You know, I was talking with the group last night and um, when you're from the, when you're from the country, you know, all you have is your word. You've got relationships mm-hmm. that you've built with families from down the road that were because my grandmama and my grandpa, grandpa, you know, um, you know, you all helped us out in a time of need. And so for that future generations are depending on those relationships. Um, this is about this is about being um, restoring integrity and trust to a system that has been intentionally divided and broken. Mm. It wasn't designed like that. It literally is is being made like that for personal gain and power hungry um, individuals. And so the incentive, if you are a public servant, which you know I've had my entire life in public service, um, should be about making sure that we are doing the will of the people. It, it, it has to be about the people. It doesn't matter if I am personally offended or personally, you know, not too excited about what their, their decision is, but it's about doing the will of them. That is the only way um, that we collectively enhance the state and get to our third frontier. This is quite honestly the um, going to be the test for Ohio. And this is the key to Ohio's future, whether or not we have the courage to um, ensure that we allow all access um, for legitimate parties to exercise their fundamental right to vote. If that is not your um, your first order of business and that's not incentive enough to actually act in a democratic man- manner, then I don't know what the hell is. <laughs> um, as a doctor, the, you know, the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. That's the first line. This is the same dumb thing. If you're a public servant, your job is to the people. You work for them, period. That's that's the that's as as much of an incentive as there is. And if you can't operate from that standpoint, you you have no business being in your seat, period. And do you think how your experience um, on city council, where your decisions are so local and you're so in touch with your constituents, like I am and anyone else is on school board or in city council, that that kind of gives you a perspective on that incentive, on that way of doing business, on a on a, on a rogue office kind of thing, like Secretary of State. 
I think so. I think that it's really, I don't think that, and that's one of the things we don't see much. And we've not been successful at it, if we're honest, right? We've taken folks from the state rep and had them run statewide uh, for the past 20 years. And, and that's <laughs> not, not worked that, out so well. It, it, right. It's, I mean, it's not that it's not a bad formula, but uh, it just hasn't been in our, <laughs> right. hasn't been effective. And so it's not, um, and so if you look around Ohio, Ohio is ready for, different leadership you know it's it was so funny i was trying to explain it to somebody the other day and i said you know you know ratatouille right Mm -hmm. we we all have i have kids right so my kids would watch ratatouille till oh my god it's so i watched it before i had kids so i don't know right oh my god and i love ratatouille but Mm -hmm. we watch over and over and there was a you know he always says a good cook can come anyone can cook and uh (laughs) and a good cook can come from anywhere so it's kind of like the same thing you know Good, good people that want to lead in public service and want to advocate for all of us can come from anywhere. It can be from little, little Elida, Ohio. Um, it can be from the outskirts of a great big, um, you know, a great big city. And that, um, you know, that's meaningful and that matters. And so when you get, when you get folks that are in here um, that are really desiring to to defend and protect our democracy because democracy is at risk. Let's not, you know, we can't sugarcoat and act like, well, you know, it's a little tough right now. No, this is, this is freaking hard. We are dealing, we're at a time that is extremely dangerous in a time where our democracy quite, we are watching it shake. Mm -hmm. We really are. And so the decisions and the folks that we put in positions to lead us um, and to advocate on our behalf is absolutely critical that we've got people that are public servants first and foremost everything else has to come after after that and so it's going to take some um it's certainly going to take some work it's going to take um some stick-to-itiveness but i've got an amazingly strong backbone i'm 410 it ain't that big but the, but the point is, is it's very very strong and i've had to um you know i've had to oh my goodness traverse barriers my entire life well, and this is for a righteous cause. Well, I can't let you go without talking about some of the history happening right now. Um, because mm-hmm. today, we're recording this on the day when Senator Joe Manchin said he would be voting for Kentaji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. It's a historic nomination and confirmation. You've been talking about representation. I mean, I've been very impressed with her. So what does that representation matter on not just a Senate level, not just because we ha- we've had black women as senators, as Congress but on the Supreme Court to make that history. What do you think that does for others considering public life? Ooh, I uh, literally got um, like goosebumps when you, when you asked that. Um, that has been, you know, there is a part in the hearings where Cory Booker, mm-hmm. you know, goes into this, this beautiful Um, this beautiful acknowledgement and tribute and says, you know, I am not, I refuse to allow you to take any joy from this moment. And just to watch, I mean, because we know what that looks like, obviously mine on a much, much smaller scale, but we know just how nasty and ugly and how much more we have to to work uh, in the face of mediocrity Mm -hmm. for people that have higher positions on a regular basis. Um, And it it means that in all corners of this nation that young girls and young women that look like me and her 
are going to be able to see themselves. It means that we can't, that we get to now be hopeful and believe that, you know what, we, America is going to follow through and hold true to their promises of inclusion. Bring us your tired, your weary. That's not just for other people. That is also for us as well. And so, um, it, it is remarkable. I think it's going to change how institutions of higher learning um, greet and welcome and engage with with people with women of color, um, with Black women, and how even our Ivy Leagues uh, treat and support uh, Black women. Um, you know, and how colleagues and how firms across this nation are going to treat and make sure that they, um, you know. Um, acknowledge the work and the the amount of intense intense um um, perseverance that has to happen in order to for us to even get through the door and so i think it's um i think it's absolutely beautiful and it and it makes me choked up to to see it unfold well i'm inspired too but in different reasons as well and i think that you look like someone who could be a secretary of state in a few months if people get out (laughs) to vote and people pay attention to it um for anyone listening and paying attention if they want to follow you whether they're in ohio or they're inspired from another seat or they want to learn more what's the best way that people can follow you and um, get in touch thank you uh it would be chelsea for ohio that's c-h-e-l-s-e-a-f-o-r ohio.com i mean listen chelsea I hope y'all like that name because I have long since been aggravated with it. <laughs> oh, I like the name Chelsea. I have no problem. It's a good name. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? My mom, so Chelsea is kind of, you know, it's of course more, more French European, but my mom, uh, she was reminded of those French novels she used to read when I was, she was pregnant with me and she was in the kitchen uh, looking at a box of Jiffy cornbread. Do you know it says send to Chelsea, Michigan on the box? So that's how I'm the, like the cornbread box babies. <laughs> Is that gonna is that gonna hurt you though if your name is inspired from Michigan and you're running in Ohio? Is that gonna cost you? you... I'll tell you what. Don't do, uh, and and what ty- what gender is their uh, Secretary of State? Uh oh yeah, you got a point, Jocelyn. She's wonderful. Yes, yeah, she is very great. She is very great. So no, and and they've moved forward with mobile voting. Even uh, like West Virginia has, we still haven't caught up there. So we've got some work to do. It's time for Ohio to get you know get into the 21st century. Well, I hope that everyone will follow Chelsea for Ohio, and you're lucky that no other Chelsea has bid for Ohio. Every other Chelsea was not for Ohio before, so you lucked out on that. So please, everyone, follow Chelsea, and if you're listening, hopefully you'll be inspired. Maybe if you're listening, you should run for office, too. Thank you, Chelsea, and best of luck in Ohio. I look forward to seeing what happens next. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Heil.